Well, I'm grateful for an opportunity uh, to share Harvest Essentials with you this morning, but not just a class. I'm grateful to preach the Word of God to us this morning, and, and, and not just the Word of God to us, but word of, word of God to the congregation of the undeserving. Amen? We're undeserving. That's what makes His grace so good, and we have been saved by His grace through faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And so I get an opportunity to build up his church and to encourage us in the word today. And it's, it's his grace, like I don't know about you, but maybe, maybe you can tell, hopefully you can tell, as we declared the names and, and the power of our Lord, even the A through Z, the Spirit's here. He didn't leave us alone and say, good luck, you're saved. He said, I'm going to be with you to the end of the days. And it's, he's with us today. He wants to work amongst us today. And I'm grateful to be but a tool in his hands today as we open up his word declared to us that he has inspired and he has preserved for us this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. If you do not have a Bible, we've got some lovely people coming down the aisle right now. You're going to need one of these books because we're going to get into the Word of God. I'm going to ask you to respond to the Word of God, so you're going to want to have one of these in your hand. If you do not own a Bible, this is now your Bible. We want you to take it home. It's our gift to you this morning. As we get into the Word and as these guys are handing out the Bibles, I just want to give a little disclaimer or an explanation of how today's sermon is going to go. It's going to be a little different. You guys okay with that? All right. We're going to do something where I'm going to expound the word. I'm going to get into why we do what we do as a church. And we're going to look at the word of God as our authority for that this morning. And then we're going to have a time of reflecting on what that means for us. And then we're going to talk about how we collectively, as the church here in Muskoka, do some of the specifics that we do in order to be about the business that God has given us in his word. So we're going to have like three sections. There's going to be a preaching time. There's going to be a, re a reaction time or a response time. And then we're going to have some, some details of how we seek to do this in our context here in Muskoka. But I have, a, I have a feeling as we get into this stuff, as, our, as we seek unity in this stuff as a church, we're also going to see something about every single one of us. You see, I think as we get into why we do what we do as a church, it's going to reveal the why we are here in the first place. As believers in Jesus Christ, why do I remain as a foreigner, as a stranger here on earth. What is the purpose for that? I think we'll find that in the context of where we're going today. We're going to end in Acts chapter 2 verses 42, but where we're going to start is the, is the lead up, is the context for that verse, because I think it has a lot to say about the verse itself and has a lot to say to you and I this morning. So you got your Bibles open, the book of Acts, also the Acts of the Apostles. We're going to start in verse 1 and we're going to try to break this down and understand it a little bit more this morning. Acts 1 verse 1. In the first book, pause, that means this is the second book, all right? In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, okay? First off, we see that something's happening here, all right? This is building on a previous book, all right? It's building on the acts of Jesus, what we call the Gospel of Luke, it's the same author, it's the same person sending it, all right? In other words, what we're going to be reading and getting into in the very beginning of Acts is directly tied to Jesus' own ministry and teaching. It's like he's not even skipping a beat. This is the sequel. That's the, that, that's the start. This is how it continued. He began that way, and he continues this way. The people that he apprenticed, the people that were his disciples, are called the apostles. And this is the act, acts of the apostles, this book. Let's keep going. After he had given, excuse me, until the day he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering 
by many proofs. Anyone say that Jesus didn't rise? He showed himself. How often? Appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the, what is that? Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So first we see that the patterns we're going to be examining today are based out of Jesus' own ministry, and he has given his apprentices some marching orders. And we're going to see it reflected in the way the church started in the book of Acts. And not only has he given them commands, not only has he given them a power, but he is going to send them a presence. The Holy Spirit, God himself, with his church. The presence in which they would receive in Acts chapter 2 at the Feast of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they were filled with his power in order to be about his mission, as we'll read. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, is this the time you're going to make everything right? Is this the time when you're going to be king, you're going to be reign, and everything will be as it should be? Don't we long for that day? We see these guys longing for that day. They're hoping, is this now? Is everything going to be made right by you now? Are you going to reign now? But he said to them, it is not for you, to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Great Commission is echoed in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and right here in Acts 1, verse 8. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men standing by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then they return to Jerusalem. You ever wonder why they're staring, looking into heaven? I think we get a glimpse in the previous. Is this the time? Nope. See ya. Right? He goes into heaven, and they've got to be like, I want to go too. Why are you leaving me, Lord? What's going on? Why do I still have to be in this barren place? Why do I have to go through those difficult seasons yet ahead? Because they have not only been given a pattern to follow, a presence to empower them, they have given a, been given a proclamation, a mission to be about. To be Jesus, to be a foreigner, a stranger, with a message of hope in the name of Jesus Christ, to take to the next town, and the next town, and the next town, and to Muskoka, and to Perry Sound, and to Mexico City. Do you see it? They're given, a, they're given marching orders. Go, make disciples. Friends, I'm glad they did. I'm glad that Peter, upon receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 46, he starts to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. And 3,000 people came to know the Lord. Why am I so glad? Because, friends, if they don't obey that verse, none of us know. Nobody here. Nobody knows. There aren't witnesses here in Muskoka. There isn't the person that told you about Jesus Christ. There isn't the body that you came to and heard Jesus preached. There isn't that if they don't, and every generation after them don't, take seriously. Take this as their marching orders to tell the next generation and the next generation and the next generation until the ends of the earth know about who Jesus is and that there is salvation in no other name other than Jesus Christ. Think of it, friends. 
You know because someone else told you. Who's going to know because of you? We have that same marching orders. We have that same mission. And we find in this mission the reason that we aren't with with the Father as soon as we are made right with him. We're still here because we have a mission to be Jesus, to share his good news, to be the body collectively on mission together for the good news of Jesus Christ. So we see the pattern. We see the presence. We see the proclamation and in Acts 2, verses 42 through, through 47, we're going to see the practices of the early church. What did they do after Peter preached and 3,000 people came to know Jesus Christ? This is the practices that they set about doing right in Acts chapter 2. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. In fact, right before we actually start reading that, I just got to say this. What we're gonna be, this is like a pastoral warning. What we're about to read... If you look back through church history, and frankly, even as you look at the church today, we haven't always done so well at. I mean, if I'm honest, what's being read today is increasingly difficult, but it's incredibly difficult, and it always has been. This is something that the church has kind of stumbled with. Have you ever seen little, you ever seen little kids learning a sport? Anybody, you know, maybe it's Timbits hockey you know what I'm talking about? Or like soccer where they're all chasing the ball or that little kid's like picking dandelions. You know what I'm talking about? And that, I, I think, when I think about how God must see how, how we're doing with his marching orders, I think of synchronized swimming. You're like, I probably lost you at synchronized swimming. It's not exactly on TV all the time, only in the Olympics, right? But have you ever, has anybody ever seen synchronized swimming what, like from beginners? It's, it's not what you saw at the Olympics with people being launched out of the water, okay? Let's just put it that way. I'll, be an eyewitness, I'll give you an eyewitness account this morning, okay? My sister used to do synchronized swimming, and I can remember, I'm the oldest of four, and we, we would get everybody ready in order to go to synchronized swimming practice, which is thrilling for a kid. <laughs> But we get everybody, we all get everyone in the car. Of course, my sister has got her bathing suit on and her clothes because if you're a mom of four, you know time is of the essence, is it not? Oh, I saw a lot of moms doing this, all right? It really is. So we got to get there and we get there and she's you know, got her bathing suit on and then she gets that cap on, you know, keep the hair out of the eyes and then, and then she get the little, little nose picture. You know what I'm talking about? If you've seen it on the Olympics, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Got the little nose picture and she's like, Love you guys. And she's going to go and she, we're going to watch her walk out the side of the pool. We're going to sit down next to somebody and watch through the lens. We'll make, you know, some semi-awkward conversation with the person next to us. And then we're going to watch her and her friends get in the water and drown for about an hour. <laughs> I mean, that's what it looked like. The odd arm comes up. Everyone's coming up. <gasps> right? They're trying really hard. They're working hard. They're listening to their coach. But their coach is like, man. It's going to be a lot of work. And I got to say this, just as a coach would be encouraging, just as those little girls are trying their hardest, I think that he has the same attitude towards us as we drown, so to speak, trying to follow his instructions. God has grace for us, does he not? He has patience for us, and I, for one, am thankful. I think you'll see and see how, how patient he has been as we read how he started, how the church started under his instructions given to the apostles in the power of the Spirit. Let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they, what's that word? Okay, just making sure you're reading with me. All right. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as any had need. Wow. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Everyone's taking note. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Does anybody want to be a part of that church? 
Come on. That church is all about Jesus, right? I mean, they get it. They're fired up. They are all in. And everybody here, there's something in our heart. As we read that, we go, that's what I want. That's what the church ought to be. That, that's what I want. But everybody here also has a part of us that doesn't want that. That sounds amazing. There's something in this that says, yes, yes, yes. But there's also something in this that says, no. Let me explain. How many of you liked the idea of sharing life with people? Come on. We're going to have a lot of response and a little interaction here. Yeah, you like the sharing of life with people. What about when people hurt you? Because they will. They're imperfect. It's tough, right? What about the idea of sacrifice, sacrificially giving your hard-earned resources to another person? It's hard. You like the idea of sacrificing your time daily? That's what they did. Hmm. You like the idea of suffering? I didn't read suffering there. Read the next few chapters where Stephen's stoned. Sounds nice. I would, I would say this. It's incredibly different and difficult. It's what we all want, but it's hard, amen? You read that. That takes a lot of sacrifice. We usually look at them giving up their stuff and all these other things, but look at the very first verse. What did they devote themselves to? I would say that verse is just as hard as any that follows. Let's just look at the first verse. One verse and see and see what we ought to be about as a church. And they, what's that word? And they, all right, good, we're reading it. And they devoted, you know what that word means? That word means continual perseverance in something. Now perseverance by its definition is hard. To be devoted is a hard thing. It's not a natural thing, it's a difficult thing, but they did it, right? That's why we can read verses 44 through 47. It's because they did it. They showed devotion. I got to say something here, though, as a pastor. It's a hard thing. It's one of the battles. It's one of the worries that I have. Anytime I get to declare the word of God, Lord, let them not be hearers, but let them be doers of the word, James 1:22. I mean, you guys sit under some phenomenal preaching from Pastor Kai. He is a gifted expositor of the word. He is, but so what? You might have heard this, this stuff preached on before, but so what? Let us not be hearers. Let, her, let us be doers. Let us devote to action and continually persevere in that action. What's the next word? They devoted... Okay, I, I, gave you a, I gave you a warm-up last time. Let's try this. They devoted themselves. You're going to see themselves together, all of them. What is this saying? In the early church, they devoted to not being lone rangers. They did it together. There, was, there wasn't somebody just trying to make it on their own. I've got my own personal relationship with Jesus. I don't need his church. That's not what you see in the early church. But again, people are hard to love. That's a good spot for an amen. Anybody, anybody here, you've been married for any length of time. You know that seeing somebody every single day will try your patience. Will it not? Come on. A couple of elbows being, being swapped right now. They're just marriage family. And a bunch of people saying amen in their heart, but they don't want to be heard. Workers, people you work alongside, friends that you've had for an extended period of time, you know that loving people is difficult, right? It takes sacrifice. It's not easy to live alongside other people. Friends, this early church you think you got anything on them for diversity? Those 3,000 people came from all over the Roman Empire. 
Some of them have different customs, languages. You have slaves, masters, all following Jesus in the same congregation that is devoting themselves and doing what we just read. We have Christ in common. That is enough. That is enough. What do they devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching or the apostles' doctrine as they rightly handled the word of God. The word of God was central to the first church. But frankly, it often isn't. In the churches throughout history and certainly even in the churches today. Sometimes God's word is reduced to but a footnote in a cleverly crafted speech. Often we, we like certain parts of the word, but we're willing to fudge on the other ones and not come under its authority, make compromises. But then again, this shouldn't surprise us. Right from the beginning, Satan has been trying his best to distort the word of God. And he certainly has wreaked havoc in the church in this way. You don't believe me? Adam and Eve. Let's go with Adam and Eve first. How did he mess with them? He said, did God really say. Before we even, even had a written account, he's messing with the word of God. Ask the prophets, how was their message received? If you know that history, it wasn't well. It was difficult. It was a difficult thing to stand up and rightly divide the word of God and declare his words to the people of Israel. How about Jesus? Jesus got pretty popular until he started talking about tough stuff. As at one point he looks and he's got 12 guys standing in front of him. But he had the words of life. That's why they stuck around. But we know where his words ultimately led. It led to his crucifixion. The word of God has always been resisted. It has always been unpopular, and certainly today, a plain understanding of the word of God is unpopular to hold in our culture. So they devoted themselves to the word, to the apostles' doctrines, the apostles' teaching, and what else did they devoted themselves to? The, to uh, the fellowship and the fellowship. Now, we like this word, the fellowship. That means that we get goodies after church, Right? Or I get to go hang out with my friends. We had great fellowship. It was so much fun. But let's be honest about what this word means. It's koinonia. It means a participation in a contribution to. All right? In other words, they devoted themselves to not be sideline consumers. They devoted themselves to be a part of the congregation and contribute to the congregation. They didn't have this royal priesthood that did all the work. Or that 20% in the church that does a lot of the work. They didn't have that. Everybody was all in. It was, the, it was the priesthood of believers. It was every single one of them contributing. And here's the thing, folks. Every single one of us here, in the grace of God, has been gifted by the Holy Spirit to contribute to this church. Every single one of us. You know what my job is, my job description? It's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's what I am to do. That's what I've been called to do. Is to call us together to common participation and contribution. And in fact, it's in Ephesians, it says, when everyone's doing their role, that God builds up his church and grows it. Just like he did back then. Hard part is it's a sacrifice to give time, talent, and treasure. A devotion that many in God's church haven't, haven't been all in about. Maybe half in, maybe dip the toe in. But, we, but what we see here is all in participation and contribution, fellowship. What comes next? To the breaking of bread, finally, the food. This one should be a little bit easier, right? Having each other in each other's homes to eat as they did. But how often is hospitality practiced in the church? When's the last time you had someone in your home? 
It's a nice concept, but it's a difficult thing. Maybe, you, maybe as you read this, you're thinking, oh, breaking of bread, that means communion. You want to be unpopular on a Monday with a lot of emails as a pastor? Start to talk about the holiness factor in communion and the forgiveness factor in communion. And the idea of eating and drinking condemnation on yourself doesn't go over very well. You usually get a lot of emails. So I would even submit the breaking of bread is tough. If there was an easier one on the list, I was like, come on, that's got to be the... Nope, that's difficult too. And last we see, and the prayers. Plural. Multiple prayer times. Praying all the time. Being persistent in prayer was a part of the early church. Friends, prayer nights are the least popular of events in the church. But probably the most important How often is the discipline to pray in the believer's life? It's often the first thing to go when busyness comes. What I'm saying here, friends, is that's the first verse. And I already need lots of grace. Don't you? Aren't you thankful that God is patient with us? If we are to obey this verse, if we are to be like them, to devote ourselves to walking this out as a congregation and as individuals in the, converse, in the congregation, what I got to say is this. That, my friends, is uncomfortable. But then again, God doesn't promise us comfort. Not until we get there. And in the meantime, he's given us the comforter who comforts us despite our afflictions, despite how difficult the journey is, despite how tough life is and how tough living in his church is. He stays with us, ministering to us joy despite our circumstances, peace despite our circumstances, comfort. So are we willing to get uncomfortable? To do life together? What's beautiful is when we do that, verse 47 happens. People were praising God, that celebratory praise of God and having favor with all the people. That means that people on the outside are looking inside and going, what on earth is going on with those people? That's awesome. People are giving up their stuff for other people. They're caring for the broken in their midst. They're hanging out. They have a community that I so long for. Having favor with the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Do we want that? Do you want that? You want to see believers come. You know, come on. You want to see unbelievers accepting Jesus, joining small groups, getting in the church. Don't we want that? We want that. But what are we going to do about that? See, that came from the devotion to those things before. That came from a commitment. But reality is we, we still have a long way to go. I have a long way to go. Do you? Praise God for his grace. What I want to do right now is I want to get into a time of reflection right in the middle of a sermon, okay? I want to stop right now. And I ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes right now. Because, see, what we're talking about is heart change. What we're talking about is beholding God and being changed from one degree of glory to another. What we're talking about is the Holy Spirit's work on us to do this. And we need to reflect. i got some questions that I want to ask. I want you to reflect upon in your hearts. Do I want to be a part of that church? Answer that for yourself. Do you want to be a part of such a church? What's stopping me from devoting wholeheartedly? Is, it, is Christ worth it? Will he satisfy me if I go all in? Maybe what needs to go from my calendar that I can be devoted to the church of God and his mission? I just want you right now, wherever you're at, maybe the Holy Spirit's doing a work on your heart. Maybe he's revealing some things. 
Praise him for such grace. Call out to him and pray to him right now, wherever you are. Pour out your hearts before him. He's near the brokenhearted. We're going to take a time right now to sing a prayer to him. Lord, I give you my heart. It's really a prayer from us as a congregation to him. And as we're saying it independently, Lord, I give you my heart. We are saying it collectively. We give you our heart, Lord. Have your way there. Let's sing it. Let's reflect upon it. And let's pray this to our God and King. This is my desire to That's our prayer, that we individually and we collectively want you to have your way in us. Lord God, as we begin as a church talking about how you continue to lead your church, how you've led your church, Lord God, and and what we do and how we try to live out the word of God, Lord, I just pray. I pray that your spirit would continue to move in us. I pray that you continue to lead us to make your glory known, that we might, with one voice, in complete unity, Lord God, expand your kingdom, that you might receive more praise, that you might have more people singing before you, both now and forever. Lord God, we want your will done through your holy church. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. Amen. Do we believe that God is still at work in his church? Come on. Do we believe that God is still at work in his church? I'm so grateful that uh, he still is leading us. He's still filling in the gaps for us. He's still showing our leaders how we're to walk out Acts chapter 2 in our context here in Muskoka. What do we do? Why do we do what we do? And he's still, friends, he's still patient with us synchronized swimmers. And sometimes it looks like we might be flailing about as we we seek to follow Jesus. And friends, if you've been here for any length of time, if you've been on our website, if you've seen this, you might have seen this on the back of somebody's shirt, here's the first thing you need to know about how we walk out Acts 2. Like that congregation, we seek to be all about Jesus. We want Jesus lifted high. We want them lifted high every time we get together. We want them lifted high in our communities. We want people to know how great our God is. Amen? So we insert Jesus into everything here. We don't have to insert him. He's the core of it all. We're just just relying on him. It's his mission. We've been given a mission, his commission, his great commission. 
And we do it in the spirit of his great commands that he has given us and shown us. This is our mantra. We want to see the lost saved, the saved matured, and the mature multiplied. All for whose name? Jesus. And for his glory. Our movement, even, that we belong to is called the Great Commission Collective. Whose commission is that? That's Jesus' commission. It's a, it's a collective. It's a group, a fellowship of churches that are, that are devoted to equipping and planting churches. And they have six different distinctives, all of which you're going to see flavor what we do here at Harvest. I think you got them up on the screen behind us. If you take a look at that, that is what we're hoping for that, that permeates everything that we do here. But I don't want to spend the remainder of our short time on the mission or the mantra or the movement. I want to talk about how we do what we do, our method. How do we take seriously and seek to provide structure to walk out Acts 2 in our church? Firstly, we think that that passage has informed us of what we can hope for and what we can expect in the believer. Not only that passage, but every single passage, passage that deals with the church after that affirms what we are talking about here. Firstly, it's this, and I think we can see a diagram behind me. We expect the believer in Jesus Christ, the Christ follower, to abide in Christ to be intricately connected to him in relationship with him. John 15, verse 5 says, Apart from him we can do... Let's try it again. Apart from him we can do nothing. So the believer, apart from Jesus Christ, if he's not with... If she's not with Jesus Christ on a regular basis, is going to expect fruitless faith. A dried-up believer... And if a church isn't connected, isn't abiding in Christ, you can expect a dead church. So as believers, this is where it all starts. But then the believer does worship, community, and mission of, like, and for Jesus Christ and his glory. And you can see, and we actually talked about this a long time ago in last January. We can see the five G's that goes with worship, community, and mission. The five G's or the five G life is something we encourage of all believers. And under worship, you can see that we, we hope that every Christ follower here in our church develops a God time. And we encourage this at every layer of discipleship. Personal time relating to God. Time in the word is authority for our life. His map, if you will, his manual. He says in John 15 that our, his, his words ought to abide in us and we bear much fruit. Psalm 1 suggests that if we have no word within, we'll have no word without. So, of course, we want believers in Jesus to get in the word, spend time hearing God's word for them. And we want believers to pray. This is our chance to talk to, our chance to surrender to our Lord. We need him. How'd you start your day? Were you dependent upon him? We need our father at work within us. We need his spirit. We are desperate. Whether we know it or not, we need him and we need to call out and invite him into every element and aspect of our life and in our community. What's beautiful is this that our Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And that is our greatest need every day. That the Spirit of God is at work in us that Christ may be known through us, in our workplaces, in our families, even in our relationship of worship with God. We have God time, we have gathered time. That's what we're doing here right now. Just like that church in Acts went to the temple, to everyone gonna get together? We have a corporate time relating to God. Again, through his word, through prayer. We also use singing. We sing songs of praise to God. We use contemporary tune. Why? Because we're on mission in a world that, that understands that style. And we get to praise him and it's natural to us. And we get to declare his testimonies and his greatness here through song or through testimony. We have these opportunities on a regular basis. But again, we preach the word here. 
unapologetically. We preach the word. And we preach it in a specific way, expository in nature. You're like, well, I don't know what you just said. You just lost me. It's the idea of exposing the text, explaining the text. Because we believe that God is the one that needs to speak mostly. It's him that does the work in our heart. And he uses God's word as we target the heart. Luke 6, verses 45 says that, says that the heart is the key to one's actions. And Hebrews 4, verse 12 says, the Bible is the tool for exposing the inner thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So we use God's word. We exposit the word and we point it at the heart. And it ultimately leads to application. Why? Because we can't come here every Sunday and hear and think that's okay. We need to have application in our life. We need to respond in some way. Faith without works is dead. And we pray. We pray often. We pray persistently. We just spent time praying together because we need God to work amongst us. Amen? Amen. In community, we see that we do group time. This is the idea of small groups. The idea of small groups permeates every single ministry here at Harvest. It's our primary vehicle for loving one another and seeing people discipled to follow Jesus Christ. We believe that, like the early church, people need to be invested in life-on-life -life mutual ministry as they follow Jesus in step with the Spirit. Therefore, we meet in homes regionally to be united in the application of God's Word, persistent in prayer, consistent in love as we mission together. This goes for every ministry. Like I mentioned, youth does it, young adults, single ladies, all of the adults in our church. Even our kids have smaller gatherings and bigger gatherings. Do you see it? It's important to our church. We consider our church not a church with a bunch of small groups, but a church of small groups. Just as we see, they met constantly together. They met in each other's homes. We strive to do that as a church as well. And we're devoted to that, but we're also devoted to one another in our groups. Every year, if you're a part of a small group, you, you sign a commitment to the components of small group. What are these components? Worship, community, and mission. It's the idea that in worship, we're going to target the heart with the word. We're going to apply the Bible practically. We're going to pray persistently for one another. Who doesn't need somebody to pray for them? Come on. Do you need prayer? Yeah. We need one another. We need to be praying for one another in our groups. Community is the idea of practicing the one another's of Scripture together, doing life on life, mutual ministry. How, what, what are the one another's of Scripture? Love one another, forgiving one another, serving one another, submitting to one another, encouraging one another, being devoted to one another. And as we do community together, as we worship together, we also go on mission together. Whether that's to reach those in our community. We had people doing the would-be just the other day. Trying to reach out to those in need of wood to heat their homes. People from small groups coming together for that. But not only that, we, we, we strive to add people to our group consistently. We strive to make our groups not, not just about our comfort, but about the multiplication of ministry. We want to see more lost saved. We want to see more saved matured, and we want to see more matured multiplied. And so we got to be open and welcoming people into our groups. As small groups are the primary vehicle through which we do ministry, they're also the primary vehicle through which care comes in our church. We have a thing we call biblical soul care, and it's intricately woven into every element of small groups. You see, small groups breed transparency, okay? And it's one thing to say, here's all my problems, but it's another thing to care for that person, is it not? So we want to say we can come alongside those people when they are transparent about it. And so we seek to care for the hurting by equipping our leaders. We have a biblical soul care pastor who's a biblical counselor. We have myself, the discipleship pastor. We have small group coaches, small group leaders, and even small group members, some of them, are trained in order to care for each soul that's in our community. Because we want to be a community that comes alongside one another. Just like a family. Families are messy, right? Some of you even mention a family. is like, oh man, I hope my small group's not like my family. Here's the deal. We are okay getting in each other's mess. Because that's really what's going on. 
And it's when we see the mess, we can point people to Jesus Christ, the healer, the one that can help us. And we can apply God's word to the heart of each person in our group. So not only are small groups uh, just a group time, they're, they're a life-on-life time that happens a lot of stuff outside of small groups. Another thing also connected to small groups is our new discipleship ministry model. I say new because some of you have not seen this before, and this is something that we're kind of revealing um, or putting names to for the first time. So we got, we got this model up behind me. You saw the yellow circle before, all right, the Christ follower circle. Now we have the yellow circle. It's like the island in the middle of the blue sea, all right? All right, we have Christ follower. We want every Christ follower in a small group, but that Christ follower also can mean something else. It can mean for those that we discover don't know Jesus Christ, or maybe they're brand new to the gospel, and they're like, I know Jesus, now what? You can go to a Christ follower class or be walked through the Christ follower book with your leader. This is an opportunity for us to make sure that people are shored up in the gospel. And then from there, you can see that yet we want every believer, every Christ follower inside of a small group. Then what, do you, what, what about small group? What if they, what, what, how do I equip the small groups? What do we do with the small groups? And, and you got this person that's got lots of questions. Where do we send them? You can go to a class. Remember, like 101 or 201, it's the same kind of thing, only it's a class directed at helping people get grounded further in their faith. If you look at Foundations 1, Foundations 1 is simply this. How do I worship Jesus? How do we, what do we believe here as a church? Why do we gather and do the things that we do here as a church? How do I read the word of God? Ever been confused reading the word of God? Go to Foundations 1. How do I pray? What's what's the method? What what do I do? Go to Foundations 1. Foundations 2 is is, uh, community and mission. Why do we do community the way we do it? How do we do community together? Mission, how do I share my faith with my lost family or friends? How do, what, what kind of gifts do I have to contribute here at the church? Go to Foundations too. So small groups can send people to these classes or they can all go together with their friend to these classes that are offered for the church. And you keep going deeper. You see it's the darker blue on the outside circle. We're going deeper. We want believers to not be okay staying in the shallow end. We want to see them go deeper as they flail about, right? So we have equippings, ways that we equip people. Equipping studies. One thing that's new about equipping studies is it isn't just Bible study that can go from this time to this time, but we're actually offering to the whole church and every small group can attend equipping studies on things like marriage or things like doctrine. And you can say to your small group, why don't we all go to that? And it'll honor the off week and and the whole small group can come and still have their breakout time at the end. These are ways that we're seeking to bolster our small groups and bolster the people within their small groups and even for those leaders have a time where they get to sit under teaching from somebody else. You also see up there equipping events. Anybody ever heard of Back Lake Men? All right, well, if you haven't, it's coming up again in November, all right? Hey, what about the Connect Ladies? Sign up last day, right, today? You gotta sign up. If you, if you came in late, you missed that announcement. Today, you got to sign up, all right? But those are equipping events where we want to see the men of our church, the women of our church, learn to walk as men and women of God in our church, to have their specific questions answered and to have their hearts challenged with the word of God in the ways that men need it and women need it. Those are equipping events. And then you keep going, you see equipping mentorship. Everybody in our church, everybody in our church who ends up in leadership, has one of these kind of moments. Why don't you follow me and walk, walk with me and see how I do ministry? Whether you are going to be a lay counselor in our biblical soul care ministry, whether you're going to be a small group leader, whether you're going to be an elder, you're going to have those type of experiences where someone's going to take you and mentor you um, and walk you through what it looks like to be a leader in God's church. So we see so far, we've got the, we've got the three Gs. What are the last two Gs? We do mission After all, it's the reason why we still are here and have breath. We do mission as a church. We worship, we do community, we do mission, and we have give time and go time, therefore. We encourage everybody in our church, just like we saw in Acts chapter 2, giving of their resources, helping the collective be about the ministry and mission of God. 
Freeing up people who are, who are maybe suffering in our church to, to worship and contribute to others. Give time is very important. We do this through our offering or our benevolence. Sometimes we just do it in small groups. Somebody just giving somebody something that they need. We have go time. As the early church sacrificed to serve one another, we do this internally. We serve each other. Whether you're in Harvest Kids or whether you're doing youth or maybe it's something else on Sunday, doing setup or teardown, we serve one another internally in our go time, but we also do this externally through outreach events or, or we equip people even to go reach. We encourage every believer, go reach your neighbor. Go reach your family member that doesn't know that doesn't have the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we've talked a lot. Why? How? But who? First off, we believe that it's God that builds his church. It's his spirit in us that even wills us to, to work for his good pleasure. It's him that does the work. But friends, listen, he uses you. That's right. Every single one of you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a responsibility and a role to contribute. Certainly we have pastors and elders and deacons that are leaders in our church. We have directors. But friends, friends, listen. The Holy Spirit has given you a gift to contribute with. Maybe some days you're going to feel like a synchronized swimmer learning for the first time. Maybe you're not even sure what your gift is yet. Get involved. Start serving today. Start using your gift to contribute to the church today. So what are you doing? Maybe you are devoted. How, how, what, what's the next step? Where do you specify? What are your gifts? Maybe you haven't even thought about the idea of devotion. What's your first step today? What are you going to do today? Will God time, gather time, group time, give and go time, even be on your calendar today as you saw it was in the early church? Maybe God's worked on you a little bit. Praise God for his grace. Praise God for his grace. Take a step, ask for his help, and step out in faith. Get into the water, start swimming. Start being a part of the team that we might see God do great things through his church. It's time for everybody here to collectively be all about Jesus. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, you are worthy. Oh, and you are so patient. Thank you. Thank you for your grace upon grace. Thank you for your church, your body your beacon of hope in this community. Lord God, you're, you're worthy. You're worthy certainly of more than our calendar show or our talents show or time. You're worthy of more than any treasure we could potentially give or sacrifice we could potentially muster, Lord God. You are worthy. You're worthy to receive all honor, glory, power, you're worthy of receiving our whole life sacrifice. Lord God, I pray that we would be a church made after your own design. Lord God, we would be a church that follows the patterns that we see in God's word. But Lord God, I pray that we would be a people that take time, make sacrifices to be all about Jesus. May you, Jesus, get all the glory and honor in your church, our church, now and forever, we pray. Amen.